0: Hello, and welcome to episode seven of dual Unity. I am Andrew. And I am Ray, and I'm very excited to be here. It's been a very, very interesting week. And I'm so
1: excited that we finished our, our workshop yesterday on social anxiety. That That conversation was so much fun to have over the last month. I've really enjoyed exploring that.
0: Yeah, me as well. It was, it was a great time. I really enjoyed talking about it. Something I realized throughout it that I, just enjoy discussing because I've, you know, we've both been through it and kind of come out the other side. And I think that's just a huge key. And I think I might've mentioned this on one of the uh, workshops, but I was on a podcast the other uh, two weeks ago. And this uh, woman who's interviewing me was asking, like, you know, she sees a lot of people who are on social media, you know, posting about similar stuff that we post about or mental health, anything in that realm. And a lot of them have a similar story of going through that. They weren't, even though now they put themselves out there and are very open and seemingly relatively outgoing just through putting themselves out there, they all, a lot of them kind of went through bouts of social anxiety and weren't always this, you know, like, peppy bubbly like outgoing outspoken person and i said i think that and she was like why do you think that is and i was like i think that makes complete sense because people who have been through that knows it, it kind of sucks and it's shitty and and so they they go through it and then they come out the other side and they're like oh fuck we can get through this like i'm trying to bring everyone along with me like i'm trying to share the things that have helped me so that because i know how that suffering can be and I, I also know there are things that can help. So that's why I think so many people who are posting about that on social media did go through something like that. I think it's part of the reason that that, that we do share these things and have these discussions is literally because of those situations.
1: Well, that's it, right? And even Krishnamurti used to say, um, how how can somebody who's, ever, who's never been in the mess understand the mess how can somebody who's never you know experienced what it is to forget that they're being right recognize what it is to forget that you're being so you have to go through it in order to empathize with people that are going through it and i, I think that's important but on the other hand we we also get caught up in details sometimes right we think if you haven't been through exactly what i've been through you can't understand and it's like well yes and no i mean i can understand the emotional spectrum i can understand you know the generalities i can understand again what it is to be abandoned not necessarily what it is to be abandoned by the person who abandoned you in that particular situation but i can i i can relate to abandonment and so in a lot of ways even even without intense trauma in our own lives if we're willing to open ourselves up if we're willing to be honest about even just the the, the smallest of emotional pains that we've experienced in our lives we can open ourselves up to empathy to people who have been through far worse, it, it, never thinking that we can understand, but at least relating to the emotional spectrum that they're going through.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, because they're, you know, even though I've been through things like social anxiety, I know like I haven't been through, you know, a, a lot of the shit and like the really, really tough stuff that people have been through, but it doesn't mean that you know, I can't talk. It's interesting because I feel like sometimes people say like, you know, you can't talk about this or you can't understand this. And it's like, well, I can, I can at least try and give my two cents, you know, is, is that okay?
1: Regardless <laughs> it's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah. So I think, I think it is almost, necessary. Like, how can you have any depth in these discussions? If you've never been through it, you'd just be like, you know, just, just stop worrying. What are you doing? Just stop. It's like, well, there's a little bit more to it. And yeah, especially when it comes, but I also think the idea I was someone, uh, there was this kid who was commenting on a bunch of my posts. I think he was just scrolling through my posts and kind of like, critiquing all of them and like trying to have counter arguments. So I was in my Instagram notifications, just kind of like responding from there to everyone quickly. And he came, he was going on about, uh, loneliness and feeling alone. And, and he was commenting on a few of my videos about how realizing that you are the awareness of what is, and, and not this, you know, little me can be extremely helpful. And he was like, how is that helpful? Like I get realizing that is is great and all but you know how does that help me when I feel like I'm alone it's like well the idea that you're alone is stems from the idea that you're separate so if you don't actually feel separate how alone can you feel and he just he kept going back and like nitpicking at my wording and stuff and I kind of got to a point that I was like at the end of the day if you're feeling lonely and have this story of loneliness no one is going to stop you from continuing to tell yourself that story and i think that it's it's almost like a harsh truth but you know you've said it to me a few times when i'm you know like say something's difficult or this is tough and it's like it really is the truth that no one's going to force you to stop saying that and and it's just something that this story that we want to hold on to, but we don't have to. And we're the only ones who can ever let that go at the end of the day.
1: That's right. That's, right. that's exactly it. And, and I mean, on the flip side of that, I don't expect you to. I, I don't expect you to let it go. I don't expect you to do anything at all because there's nothing wrong one way or another. There's nothing wrong, regardless of how you choose to live your life. That's up to you. But let, let's at least come to that point where we can admit Whatever you do with your life is up to you, right? And so your responsibility is your response. That's it, right? It's how you respond to things. That's how you, that's your responsibility. And, and if we live life that way, then it changes a great many things. But it becomes difficult to, to let go of the story we tell ourselves because it's familiar and, and we think that it makes sense to do so. And and at one point I was talking about how our overinvestment in identity is because or is is a contributing factor to our perception of division from reality right and immediately because we perceive a division we're no longer whole we lack we feel that lack in ourselves and it creates a need and then we look around trying to find something to satisfy that need and it creates tunnel vision so now we're trying to get towards that need to solve our sense of lack which is not coming from the thing we think we need. It's coming from the division that we're overcommitted to. And so we get caught in that loop of trying to satisfy our needs instead of realizing that our perception of, of the division between the observer and the observed dictates our emotional spectrum. And people try to say like, I got to follow my emotions. It's like, right, but your emotions are based on how you perceive your relationship with reality. So you can play within your emotional spectrum or you can change your your perception of your your relationship with reality and then the emotional spectrum changes. So you can get caught in the game very easily, not realizing. Emotions don't dictate the truth. They're just giving you an indicator of what perception you're in. That's it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like going to the root instead of, staying on the surface and trying to figure out it's like everyone's running around trying to, you know, decipher their emotions and, and like solve them. Like they're a puzzle that's been, you know, a a spew and, and it's realizing that it's, it's not that you have to change your emotions. It's like your perception of them and the, and the root it's like, I feel separate or i feel like i'm lacking because i'm separate and it's like well so i have to change that or figure something out because i know that i'm separate i know that i know that i am just andrew and it's like well have you ever questioned that it's like well i don't want to question that because that's i i know that for sure that's what i've been you know told and taught and like who am I if if I'm not that? And I actually wanted to ask your opinion on this. I, I was asked in a Q and A on Instagram uh, yesterday or the day before about the difference between uh, being the awareness of what is and and this human form and disassociation and and like I don't know exactly what wording they said, but something like. It seemed like a negative, more negative, like awareness was more on the positive side and dissociation is more on the negative side. And my thought was my initial thought that I mentioned was it seemed like it sort of came down to responsibility, like being the awareness of Andrew, like I'm still responsible for Andrew, whereas being like, you know, disassociated is almost like, like it, it lacks responsibility, and for some reason, like I'm not responsible for Andrew. So, like if he goes and kills someone, it's like, oh, I'm disassociated from Andrew, so I don't have to worry about it. And it's like, well, yeah, but you as this disassociated thing from Andrew is, are still going to experience jail. <laughs> like that's right. As opposed to the awareness is is you still have that responsibility, but you don't aren't overcommitted to that idea and perception. But
1: well, that's it, right? You're not overcommitted to the concept, to the idea yeah. of yourself. It doesn't stop you from being yourself, right? Like, that, that's the thing. It's just that you're no longer attached to the fiction about that self. That does not take you out of the, the relationship you have with your reality. It doesn't take you out of out of the loop of causality, or at least the experience of causality, right? So, yeah, I think that's perfectly answered. But that's, that couldn't have been better said, honestly.
0: Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Cause it was on my Instagram story for 24 hours. So yeah, good, to, good to hear. But yeah, I mean, that's what it seemed to me. Cause sometimes people will say that. And I remember early on when I realized that back in July, when it kind of like that flip of a switch moment of like, holy shit, I'm not just Andrew. A lot of people were saying like, bro, this is like slippery slope. You know, you're disassociating, like you are a human, like you are this human, like come back to earth, dude. And it's like, oh man, what is, where is this coming from?
1: Well, that's coming from how they perceive the world or rather how they've learned to be comfortable perceiving the world. It's funny, I I ran across a TikTok the other day of somebody uh, and it was one of those trending ones where the music was going along and they're thinking about one thing. And then the next thing it's like, oh, but somebody else said this and it's like, oh, I didn't consider that. And they were saying, you know, here I am sitting, grooving to the fact that I don't need anybody. And then the next scene was, and then my therapist informs me that hyper, in, hyper independence is a sign of trauma. And, and I'm like, okay, I can understand that, but let's, let's consider the fact that somebody who has codependent tendencies would look at it that way. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, here you are taking away from the importance of your role as Andrew and everybody else who is dependent on their idea of their role as whoever they are is feeling invalidated. Of course, they're going to tell you, oh, I'm concerned (laughs) right? because I'm looking at it from the perspective that that makes it uncomfortable for me. That's it. It's like I I made a a video about God, as I tend to do. And and somebody was like, you know,
0: this is blasphemy. I'm like, is it, or is it just uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, it is so interesting how it's all just through people's perceptions. Like that's all it ever comes down to. And any comment you get, any discussion you have, like it's being had through someone's perception. And yeah, I, f- I forget what exactly you said, but it made me think of this idea of, um, I had a friend say to me towards the end of college, uh, cause I, I was, I got kind of worked up in the idea of like getting a job and having a job before I graduated school, because a lot of kids, like my school is very pre-professional and a lot of kids, you know, have their job lined up like in the fall of senior year. And so in the fall, I was kind of getting like stressed out about figuring it out. And I, talk to my parents and they're like, Andrew, like you have one more baseball season for the rest of your life. Like that's coming in the spring. Just, just enjoy that. And you'll be able to find a job afterwards. And I was talking to someone, I think it was maybe around graduation. And I still, I didn't get a job till like a month after graduation. It's like, Oh, like huge deal that I didn't have one then. And someone said, uh, it was I'll yeah, I'll never forget it. Like, but what about your contract? Like, aren't you concerned about your contribution to society or like you need to start contributing to society. Cause I wasn't at that point, I was like not concerned at all. Like I knew I'd figure things out and things would fall into place. And, and that idea of like contributing to society. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Like having a job and making money is contributing to society. What? So I can continue to fuel this, crazy ass machine that we've built up. And it was just, it was so interesting to me, but, you know, that's coming from someone's path led them to a point where they believe that, you know, you have to have a nine to five in order to contribute to society correctly.
1: Yeah. I'm doing it. If you're not doing it, you're obviously lazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. It was so like, I was just like, what, what is does me doing anything have to do with you or society, like what is society? And, and that was before I started really questioning everything, but it was still, it was still in my head. Like, that's a weird fucking thing to say.
1: <laughs> and yet oddly enough, the way that our system is designed, it's actually rather accurate because yeah. our system is designed in terms of, of the, the UCC, the uniform commercial code. And so everything is, is based on contract law, everything including governments, like the government of the United States is a corporation that is actually registered in Washington, DC. The District of Columbia, of course, doesn't have any voting rights because it is actually outside of the corporation of the United States of America. That's why it's registered in that specific district. And that's why the laws there don't apply in the same way. Um, Canada, likewise, registered company also in Washington, DC. And so these are all companies and these companies operate like every other company. They have shareholders, they have revenue, and they have expenses. And in the case of governments, the, part of their revenue is us, the shareholders, the participants in the government that we signed on as, a, as part of this corporation when we s- submitted for our social insurance or our social security number, right? We, we willingly joined the corporation of our country in order to get certain benefits. And we call those benefits roads and and, uh, the social network, the social safety network and hospitals and police and everything else. And and so part of the benefit of us contributing to this corporation and being willing participants of this corporation is also the the corporation's ability to to penalize us for not abiding by its bylaws, which is why there's a difference between acts and statutes and actual common law, right? There's a difference between legal and lawful right? Because it's lawful to drive your car, but it's not necessarily legal to do so in a state where that state's laws prohibit you from driving it in certain ways. And it's because you are a member of that state or a member of the company that that state is also a part of. And so you've agreed to abide by certain bylaws by just being part of that system. And that's why every, every city and every town is the corporation of that city, right? everything runs around this entire thing that we are voluntarily acting as shareholders and beneficiaries of a company that we call a country. So he wasn't really that far off. Yeah.
0: Seriously. So like, you know, what happens if someone doesn't want to be a part of it? Like what happens if someone is born and, you know, their parents kind of are, I don't know, like out in the woods or something. And they're just like, yeah, my kid's not going to be a part of this. Like what do they go to jail? Like if they're caught, right. Like that's the whole thing. And there are a a
1: slew of laws around, you know, parenthood and and how to raise your child and child and what's expected of being a parent and what's expected of of meeting a child's needs as a result of all of that. I mean, as well, but the, the fact is, is that, That child, if that child were to grow up in the woods and then come back into society, society would not be able to interact with that child until that child got a quote unquote person or a a legal entity, a name with a number that could interact with that, that system. Which is why when the police stop you and they say, I'd like to see some identification, what they're asking you to do is identify yourself as part of the system that they have a right to be
0: an authority over. damn that's kind of fucking freaky honestly <laughs> like wow cuz we've talked before about you know smaller societies and how we've kind of just it's gotten absurdly big so it's almost like we've gone from a society where you know that actually is functional that's smaller say a village of 100 people and everyone kind of like does things to help out and now it's just gotten so massive but it's still sort of we're still sort of paying in to the society with things like roads and whatnot. And yeah, I've never really thought about it like from the company perspective of the country.
1: It changes our
0: perspective. But then then again, when you do look
1: at it that way, it also changes your perspective of exactly how badly this company is being run. Because I mean, at at some point the company just went, yeah, we don't really need to base our, our credit system anymore on actual value. (laughs) <laughs> let's just set, toss in a debit credit system and we can all use that based on the agreement that this has value. Meanwhile, we can inflate it as much as we want. Meanwhile, we can dictate where your tax dollars are going to go regardless of what your preferences are as a shareholder. And I always found that very interesting. I think as taxpayers, we should not, if we have to pay taxes, we should actually have a checklist of the departments that we want our taxes to go to. Right. That would change the priority of the government real quick, wouldn't it? Yeah. right? But we don't get that say and we don't get that say because ultimately it's not the best in, in in the best interest of the people running the company and the company's best interest is to keep itself in existence and that means to continue its its reign of power, to continue its structure onward. and, and so more and more as the system has to protect itself, as its system has to try and keep itself afloat in a world that's changing at a rate that it cannot account for. it starts to crumble and it starts to desperately try to make up for that crumbling with politics and promises and and everything else. And it's just becoming a delaying game at the end of the day, because it's a house of cards. It's going to fall. Do
0: you think things like, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies over overtaking it is, is a possibility in the next, you know, 50 to hundred years.
1: I I think we're just starting to see how that's going to pan out because what we've done, and, and, and this is huge because, I mean, part of the, this, the system's biggest playing pieces or, or, or part of the biggest power grab in the system was their ability to control money, to control the flow of value. And, and so all of a sudden you have people saying, no, I'm going to put my value into this thing that nobody controls. And that's changing the landscape because we're deciding where to put our value and they don't have a say. That's the thing. That's why they tried shutting it down for so long, right? They just didn't like the idea that they couldn't regulate this. They can't control it. It's like, oh no, it's only used by criminals. It's like, no, 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 no. That's fiat currency. You're talking about Wall Street. That, that That's used by current criminals, right? And, but they don't talk about that or they'll say like, oh, cryptocurrency is using more energy than anything it, or uh, more and more um, energy and it's not green enough. It's like, right. Have we talked about how much electricity the banking system uses? <laughs> But we don't and we don't because the argument is one sided and it's one sided because the people who own the publications that are making the argument are the people who are going to are going to benefit from cryptocurrency dying. And so you just have to keep on. That's why I find it so very interesting like you will hear every time Bitcoin drops, everybody comes out. That's it. It's the end of Bitcoin. It's not going to (laughs) happen. And and it's like, no, no, it's going to keep going because humanity is changing. Humanity is changing and the people who don't want to look at humanity changing are the people who are rooting for it to fail. And I always find that interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It is. It is quite interesting how much, yeah, it's always on that side. And I'm just picturing people on the news, like politicians talking about how harmful, you know, Bitcoin is the environment. And it really is like, you never hear it being talked about. Well, what's its comparison? You know, the, Fiat currency, the the banking systems, like well, they're using a shitload of energy. I'm sure too, like they're using some energy at least. Like, why isn't that ever discussed? How many so, banks are there?
1: How many yeah. banks run tellers, and how many tellers? How many elect, um how many banks need electricity or or other resources? Right, not just that, but you have fiat currency. You have the cost of minting dollars and or minting coins and actually printing money and 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 trying to combat. Um, counterfeiting and the whole thing, like cryptocurrency solves a lot of different problems, but it does so without centralizing the power under one small group of people, right? I mean, there is still the risk of that with Bitcoin. If somebody were to go in and buy 51% of Bitcoin, that would change the whole game, right? But the fact is that that's very unlikely to happen. And another one would pop up very shortly after. I mean, this is one of the things that I'm enjoying right now about the uh, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu thing, right? Is because Dogecoin showed that because on Wall Street, there's the fear index, right? And that, and that fear index changes everything. It changes how people invest. It changes when people sell. But when we're looking at meme coins, when we're looking at, at cryptocurrencies that have really no value, let's be honest about it. Like they, they don't really have anything behind them except mm-hmm. the will and hope of people who aren't rich, right? And that's, that's what I'm enjoying about it is the fact that Dogecoin skyrocketed, but it did so based on Elon Musk and a good portion of that community went, we can't have that. Because then it dropped as soon as Musk kind of didn't live up to the standard, right? As soon as he went on to SNL and didn't do anything with it, Dogecoin just plummeted. And so the community went, well, we can't have that. We need to do that without people like Musk. And so now they're trying again with Shiba. And then after that, it's gonna be another one like Floki or something like that. And And it's not based on anything other than humanity saying, forget this. If it's our money, we're going to put it into something that benefits us rather than putting it into the bank where it benefits the bank. And then the bank charges me to have money in the bank benefiting them. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And so that's, that's a big thing. That's a big thing that changes a lot of things. And I, and I really wonder how much Uh, of a media response or how much the media is going to avoid this conversation when it can't vilify it. Because there's so much money in cryptocurrency right now, there are so many big people invested in cryptocurrency that it's becoming harder and harder to make it sound less credible. It's getting harder and harder to ridicule it when you've got billionaires invested in it. And I just think that's great.
0: Yeah, it does seem like it's becoming increasingly difficult and it'll be cool to see what happens over the next 10 years or so. Do you have, do you have any of the meme coins? Do you ever get in on those? Yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. For sure. And, and the only reason is because nothing means anything anymore, man. Like it, the, it's so funny to me because the world I grew up in, because I, I I was raised at the tail end of the seventies. I grew up, I was born at the tail end of the seventies, grew up through the eighties and the nineties and, and and whatnot. And I've watched the world change from a very different pace to this incredible roaring machine just hurling down the tracks, just, just just the incredible rate of change that's happening. And throughout all of that, what's really changed has been the narrative that we tell ourselves collectively. A lot of our narratives, almost all of our narratives, whether they be cultural or spiritual or economic or governmental, all of our narratives are starting to change. We're questioning everything, scientific, otherwise, right? And so I think that that, That is the biggest thing to watch right now is exactly how interesting and how questionable and uncertain things are getting. Because in that state, we have the most potential. And in that potential, we're seeing things being created that at one point we didn't think were were possible. And sure, technology is helping to some degree with that. But more importantly, our minds are creating these things with the technology that makes them possible now. Like back in the 30s, there was somebody, I don't remember his name, I wish I could, who actually envisioned that one day we would be walking around with screens that allowed us to watch videos and talk to one another and we could see through them and they would have windows on them. And this was in the thirties, somebody imagined that. And sure enough, here we are now. So it's, we, we've always had the potential. We've always had the capacity for a vision. We've always had the capacity to go beyond what we know. Now we're just expressing it at such a pace that everybody who, who maybe, maybe isn't, wondering like if they should or not or whether they're smart enough to or whether you know they're, they, they have the right credentials to are exploring things and, and I find that great because one of our biggest killers as a society is the fact that we charge for schooling like it, it doesn't make any sense. there are so many very smart people who could do incredible things with their gifts if they could access schooling and not suffer from a student debt to do so right mm-hmm. like, how how askew are our priorities as a people when we charge children to learn how to improve our society as people?
0: Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it is quite interesting. It seems, yeah, it seems like more and more people are starting to realize all these things that we've sort of relied on. And, you know, I was born, in the mid nineties. So I didn't experience everything going through, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties and everything, but it seemed like there was a lot more faith in the system and, and reliance on the system as, you know, kind of the way things are. And, and there, there weren't as many, I don't know. I'm just seeing it seems like there weren't as many, you know, questions of it. And now it's like, I feel like we're getting to a point where we're like, why the fuck do we need any of this? Uh, maybe we don't, maybe we don't need any of this at all. And maybe we can just live here on earth as maybe it was more so intended without all of this shit layered on top and just be being, you know, starting, it seems like maybe it's starting with our own sort of currency that's bringing the power back to the people, like truly, instead of you know, whatever the next politician's going to spew out of their ass. Right.
1: Well, that's it, right? <laughs> it's funny that, you know, our, our way of governing ourselves, our way of controlling the world or our our, our way of, of running this system is very much um, akin to the spectrum of danger when it comes to using a drug, right? Because there there is a certain spectrum in drug use where it's beneficial. It's actually helping your body to process or it's helping you deal with trauma or it's helping you deal with PTSD or it's helping you deal with anything like that but then there goes beyond that point where you're using it so frequently that it's creating more of a consequence than than a benefit and so as with everything it's finding balance depending on on where you are in that spectrum depending on your pain depending on your suffering depending on your need right but always being aware that overcommitment to this thing creates a consequence and that's very much the same as our system Right, Like the idea of, of credits is a smart idea because if I have a chicken and I wanna trade that for some cheese, that cheese is probably not worth the whole damn chicken. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna try and you know, get somebody to kill the chicken, cut the chicken in half, trade it with somebody else. That, that's really complicated. So instead I'm just gonna sell the chicken for four credits. The cheese is one credit i have three credits left to go and spend on something. So that makes sense, right? Like, that's just very simple. <laughs> like, there's nothing about that that doesn't make sense. But then we took that and we went, yeah, and I'm going to lend you some credits. And for doing so, I'm going to earn some credits just for holding on to your stuff. And it's like, hold on. Like, now we're making money for holding on to money? Like, now, now it's no longer serviceable. You're literally earning for not doing anything. And so we kind of got carried away. The, 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 the alternative was the trade and barter system, which worked just fine except for, of course, with the lack of credits, it became more complicated to do, but that's why you had a general store, right? Like that's why you had the town store where everything was kind of gathered. So you could bring your stuff in and trade with the person who owned the store and they could divvy it up and trade it amongst the rest of the town. It made more sense, right? everything just gets caught up and, and, and it it becomes habitual. And then we forget where it came from. And so instead of just the function, we get caught up in the form.
0: Yeah. And then we, people start asking who aren't as familiar with it or children. And we're just like, shut up. It's just the way it is. (laughs) Just the way things are. But yeah, thinking back to like, and that's, you know, when I, when I, especially on mushrooms or something like thinking about how there is a reason for everything that we do, but it kind of gets forgotten almost like, you know, keeping, you know, we like to be secretive about how much money we have because it's not like maybe people treat you differently because of that, whatever, but way back it was because you didn't want your money to get stolen. It's like, you could be super open now about how much money you have and not have to worry about it getting stolen. Someone's not going to like actively try and hack it because you have, you know, a million dollars versus if they thought you had 10,000, they might just like treat you differently, which is also a whole another strange thing. But like, I, I, guess it's, I don't know. Is that human nature? I don't know. But, no, that's a
1: good question. No, that that's yeah. exactly it. Is it, is it human nature or is it just another, another example of us, forgetting the function and getting lost in the form right and and because our need to have more than we need is something we should look at in more detail right like there are billionaires billionaires that's that in itself is ridiculous i mean anybody who says it's not is is obviously just wanting to be a billionaire Because that's where that argument comes from, right? It's like, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, you want to be one? Yes, of course. And there you go. Okay. So that's why there's nothing wrong with it. But at the end of the day, okay, so perfect example. And and I know I've kind of griped about this before because it bothers me. And it bothers me. And I, I understand my opinion is irrelevant in this case. I'm just more or less harping on it because I want to. But Deepak Chopra is worth $140 million. Eckhart Tolle is worth $70 million, at least, okay? So, and I understand, I don't expect them to give all their, their money away, but when we start talking about 10 million and up, how much do you need? Exactly what is it for, right? And if we're talking, if you, especially if you've made your money talking about getting out of your own way, Removing your need for identity and control. Removing what's going on. Like, what? Why? Why are we? Why are we hoarding? Why? Why aren't we being an example of what we're talking about? And and at the end of the day, I would love to see people who don't do that. Like, there are plenty of speakers who didn't do that. Krishna never, you know, became ex- extravagantly wealthy. Uh, Not Han never came became extravagantly wealthy. And these are people who who. Brought great insights to the world,
0: right? Alan Alan Watts wasn't
1: overly right, and and uh, is why it's because they they put their money and their attention into things that had to do with other things other than money, right? Like I'll be the first to say, if I had a million dollars, I would more than likely be out giving stuff to people or 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 giving food to people or something because I don't need a million dollars. I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, there were certain things that I would like that would give me the ability to say, stop paying rent, right? That just makes sense in terms of growing my own food or becoming self-sustainable in terms of energy or anything like that. I mean, that just makes sense for the long-term. But outside of those things, I don't really need anything. I don't really want anything. And, And the idea of having an excessive amount of money to me just gives me the opportunity to create things that could help other people. Change their position by giving them an environment that is conducive to them actually changing as people, right? Like being able to say to somebody who's struggling with homelessness, hey, I've got, you know, 40 acres, about an hour out of town. There's a bunch of tiny houses on it. We've got, you know, some hemp in the field. We're 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 doing hemp oil in, in the one warehouse. You know, over here, we're we're doing some other stuff with that and we're videotaping everything. So we're helping the world learn. Want a place to live? Right. All of a sudden that, that person is getting out of their environment. They're getting out of all their influences. They're getting a fresh start and they're doing so by not only creating, um, change in their own life, but learning about how to create social change and collective change and being an example to other people doing this to help them do the same thing. Like where's all the money? Like Elon Musk, the other day said something, I think it was to the world health organization or world food bank or something like that. It's like, you know, um, if you can show me how me giving you $2 billion or $6 billion is going to end world hunger, I'll do it. It's like, you pompous dick. Like, the, like just cause it doesn't end, it doesn't mean it can't help. Like, I'm sorry, are, you, are we too busy trying to get to Mars to worry about the people that are starving here, right? And, and that's the thing is that feeding starving people doesn't make me look awesome. Doesn't make me, you know, an astronaut. And that's really what it's about. And it's like, how much do you need? Like 140 million dollars. And again, I'm not trying to rip on on Deepak because I I love his stuff, right? But that's a lot of goddamn sandwiches, man.
0: So why, like, why do you think these people like Eckhart told Deepak to approach? Like, do you think they? Because if they are truly talking about these things the way that they are then do you think they don't act do you think they're like a tiny bit full of shit or do you think they are just just enjoy their comfort because or or even with like our toll, like his seminars are really fucking expensive and you know he could make that free like and and do massive ones you know like why I don't know like why do you think that they are like that
1: because I I think that, and this is from my own experience. um, It's very difficult not to be in the world that we live in, right? Like I have more often than not come up with an idea for, you know, a a series of workshops or, or a book or, or a documentary or something with the idea that, yeah, I can charge good for this. Right. And then upon about halfway through designing it, if that sometimes about five minutes and even conceptualizing it, I go, right, but I don't want to charge for this. And, and, and that's it because I know what it's like to go through it. I know what it's like to be lost. And then at the end of the day, that's more important to me. I I've, you have know, been without so many times that I know that I'll be fine. Right. And, and But it becomes harder to do that when when suddenly you have money and everybody around you has money and they're all telling you like, oh, you're not being selfish. I mean, you gotta take care of yours. You know, you got children or blah, blah, blah. Like it's just what what we all do, just donate to charity, right? You get a tax right off in it. And so you end up swimming in this certain mentality again. and, And it just becomes very easy to justify what at one point when you were suffering, you would have looked down on, you would have condemned. Right. And it's just comfort. Again, comfort, comfort really does blind us. That that that's the thing. Like one uh, one comedian I, I really respect is Dave Chappelle. And it's because when he was running Chappelle show and it wasn't feeling right, he walked. That was more important to him. He walked away from a lot of money. Right. And and he talks about that in his more recent stuff, but it was the walking away that informed a lot of his more recent stuff. It informed who he became, right? So it was, it was more important to him to not lose himself. And as a result, I respect the hell out of him for that, right? Like it's, that's, that's a big step and it becomes something that admittedly is hard for people to keep doing over time, it's just very tempting to always to to want to feel superior, especially when you have people going, oh, he's so enlightened. Oh, my God, he's so awake. Oh, my God. Like, you know, he's full of wisdom. It's really tempting to go. Yeah, (laughs) because who doesn't want to feel that way? But that, again, is that overinvestment in identity. There's a me there taking credit for it. There's a me there that's separate from everybody else and, and justifying my comfort as a result. Right. so, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think there's a, a good, a good degree of learning to be done about the value of knowing what's enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit of a lost art. I don't know, like, or a completely lost art these days, but I do find it it's, it's interesting. Cause I'll get, you know, comments and I know we've talked about this before on videos, like, oh, like this is, you're the man or like, you're a genius or blah, blah, blah. And it's like very uncomfortable because it's that thing where, you know, someone finds out that I played division one baseball in college and they're like, oh, you, you must've been a really good baseball player. And it's like, what do you want me to say to that? Like, do you want me to say, yeah, I am pretty good. Cause that will, or, or if I say, more so on the side of like, "Ah, I was okay. Then it's like, if this person really wanted to play division one baseball and they didn't, they're like, Oh, well, fuck me. Like I must've been terrible if you were just okay. And you played at that level. And it's like, where like, there's no great way to go. And it's just kind of, I try and be in the middle. Like, yeah, I was, I was all right. You know, I had my good, my good days and my bad days, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. And it's, but it's the same for comments. Like, Oh, a mate, like, you know, just people hyping you up. And it's like, obviously they don't mean any ill will by that at all, but it's, it, it can be very uncomfortable. And it's, I think it's difficult to respond. A lot of times I'll just, you know, like the comment instead of like saying, thank you even. Cause I know it's just weird. It's yeah. hard.
1: I, I get that. And there's a part of me that, and, and I'm sure I'll do this at some point just to express to the people who do leave those comments, like they're appreciated. They are They like, they, I appreciate comments and the appreciation right but i don't want to go out of my way to go thanks that's awesome i'm great because i'm i i've spent so long trying to avoid the temptation that goes with those accolades right but and this is something that's dawned on me recently and it's, it's made a lot easier to take those compliments is that because i know i don't need the accolades i'll take them thank you i mean what the hell <laughs> i might as well just say thanks and, and 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 move on but but sometimes the compliments have hidden meanings with them and, th- and in those cases i think it's important to, to correct people like i had somebody comment on uh, i made a video about reincarnation or, or the afterlife or something like that and somebody went like yeah this is great you know i can't wait to get to the heaven that is waiting for me after. And I'm like, hey, that's not what I was saying. That That's that's very much not what I was saying. I'm really glad you enjoyed the video, but I need to make a response to this. And and you try to do so as lightly as you can because you're not trying to insult anybody. But on the other hand, there is almost a responsibility or at least I feel that that sense of responsibility to clarify <laughs> any misunderstanding based on what I've said because I certainly don't want that to be the case. I don't want somebody not have ears to hear and then take what i've said and create toxicity that they could have avoided had they just asked for a little bit of clarity
0: yeah certainly i found i think there are a few comments on that um did you see the manifestation video i made today running through the airport and yeah i saw some comments on there and i feel like some people were kind of misunderstanding and and because i was trying to express like it's not you know chasing versus attracting it's like the idea of thinking what's best is what you or what you want is what's best it's like questioning that whole thing that you know cuz most of the gurus out the guru <laughs> manifestation gurus out there will say like you know you can attract whatever you want and that video is questioning like what you want maybe directly taking energy from what what's best for you essentially. And, and I had people commenting that, you know, you never exactly know how someone's perceiving something, I guess, but based on the comments, it seemed like, you know, they, they were thinking that it was more so, you know, giving energy to, an idea and it's like no just allow the universe to bring it to you but it's still you're still tied to the thing you want and it's it's questioning that it's not questioning like whether you should go get it or you should allow it to come to you it's like what is the thing that is going to get or coming back it's like that's what i'm questioning it's like that's the thing it's like you how do you know that's what you need
1: because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance behind the entire manifestation movement now i'm really looking i'm just going to Take a brief, mo- brief moment here just to mention to, to our listeners that we actually have a manifestation workshop that's starting next Tuesday on November 16th. It's going to be four weeks, an hour and a half each week, one hour of presentation, and then a half hour of QA. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of manifestation because there is so much to this conversation. And we're going to try and avoid getting too deeply into it right now. But don't miss the workshop. If this is something you're, you're, you're struggling with, if this is something you're interested in, this is something that I have a great deal of experience in in general, and I know Andrew does as well in terms of just being familiar with manifestation as a topic and, and what the promise of it tends to be and what the reality of it actually is. So don't definitely don't don't miss that. But back to what you were saying, um, there is a certain degree of cognitive dissonance when we're talking about something that promises an end result, right? And so I've done the same where I've made videos about manifestation, about, you know, focusing on an end result creates a sense of lack. And the response from a law of attraction coach was, right. So you just have to let go of what you want and it'll come to you. And it's like, you can't lie to yourself like that. That's a nice thought. You can't go, I don't want it. Is it here yet? That's not how that works. Like you still, you're still wanting it. And then that's the, if you truly don't want it, what are you envisioning? What are you letting go of? Right? Like you're letting go to receive that's not letting go. Right. But it feels good and it sounds good. And and so there's a wall there because after a certain point, depending on who you're talking to, they don't want to let go of that idea that i am just Tomorrow is going to be better because I'm going to have what I want. And it's like, but even when you have what you want, if you're not the kind of person that can appreciate it or enjoy it or make the most of it, is tomorrow going to be better? Right. And, and that that conversation gets so real and, and it still has to do with manifestation. It's not to say that you, you aren't in fact having some great degree of influence over your life. It's just that that, that influence wanes with your lack of clarity.
0: So clarity has to be the first step. Yeah Yeah, it is, yeah, it's, it's. I feel like I've been on a roller coaster the last, I don't know, three months or so, just all over, like changing a lot, all you know good things, and it's been a fun roller coaster for sure. but yeah, the idea of that idea of lying to yourself. Is so, and we talked about that earlier. That might have been before we started this podcast on our first conversation the idea of manifesting. Cause I was going through like, you know, I am so grateful and my heart is so warm now that I have $10 million in my bank account and kind of like that sort of standard verbiage of manifesting. And you're like, well, are you, can you lie to yourself? Like you're lying to yourself, right? Do you have $10 million right now? And I was like, well, Well, no, but it feels I feel good because I feel like I have it already. They're like, yeah, but you don't. It's like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's like that, but that's kind of the standard of like manifesting, and it really does. You realize like it does immediately create this sense of lack because you can't lie to yourself. You know you don't have ten million dollars. You don't. You know you don't have that. You know car. You know relationship or or 20 pounds of weight lost or whatever, deep down. So at the end of the day, you can't lie to yourself, but I don't know. I feel feel good
1: knowing that it's coming or I feel good. Just, just believing that it's coming. And and that's, that's no different than waiting for the second coming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you're just coping with the sense of lack that that's ultimately being exacerbated by your coping. And, and that's that, that vicious loop, right? Like we, we try to get away from our misery, not realizing that trying to get away from our misery makes it worse. There's no easy way to sell that. There's no easy way to package that up and and give it to somebody and go, Hey, guess what? You got to actually learn how to smile through that shit sandwich. That's, that's what you got to do, right? Because that's, what's going to change the flavor. Nobody wants to talk about that right? Because it sounds really unpleasant, but it's because we've been running from it for so long. It's like we were saying once about, you know, somebody who has a habit of lying, somebody who has a habit of, of being dishonest or, or, or just exaggerating the truth in order to protect themselves from people's negative perceptions. The hardest thing in the world is for that person to tell the truth the first time, right? Because they have to break the cycle. They have to stop trying to maintain the web of what everybody might think and everything else. And so they have to, they have to take that leap and just go, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Here it is. Right. But it's so hard the first time. And then the second time way easier. Third time, not a problem, right? And by the time you're a thousand times down the road, you're like, you know, what? I, I used to lie, <laughs> right? Because you, you've just walked so far into the other direction. It's like we were talking about earlier before we started the podcast in terms of, of the fields within awareness, right? That there are certain directions that you can take in the same way that there are no levels in spirituality. There are only directions towards yourself and away from yourself. That is it, right? And so yeah, it's, it's very much the same with, with our awareness is that we can choose a direction And that direction is either going to be deeper into the perception or the uh, the belief in division, or more towards the reality, which is ultimately a lack of identity and a lack of control and a lack of certainty. And that just happens to be the experience of being
0: whole. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think then relying, you know, manifesting is pretty much no different, and relying on an idea of money or wealth or fame or success is relying on something outside of yourself no differently than relying on God or Jesus or anything like that. It's like the same feel like same path sort of yeah. feeling and reliance.
1: But on the other hand, there, there's so much more danger, right? Because you can believe that, that God is helping you. And then you can cherry pick certain things that happened in your day as evidence that God is helping you. But if you got a big fat, you know, a wad of cash. You have some control. Like you in this society, all of a sudden now you have the capacity to directly influence the things that are happening in your day. And so that's very easy to believe in. Right. It's very easy to believe in that sense of control, even though it's not control. It's just the appearance of control. Like, sure, you can get anything you want, but that still isn't changing you as a person as the ability to appreciate getting what you want, right? Like, So it's just, again, the superficial appearance. And so we believe in that. Like, if I have enough of that, then I'll be happy. It's like, nope, because money won't change who you are, right? It'll just polish who you are. So if you're an ass, now you're going to be a bigger ass, because you have the capacity to be, right? And, that, and that's, that's really it. it. It just comes back down to the same thing. It's nothing outside of ourselves will ever provide the sense of fulfillment that we want it
0: to. Yeah, that is a jarring yet freeing realization for sure. And it reminds me of the Jim Carrey quote, I wish everyone could realize their hopes and dreams to realize that that's not the answer. All their hopes and dreams, fames and fortunes. But, yeah, the, uh, when you were mentioning the, the lying aspect of that first step is the most difficult one, it reminded me, on the plane today, I didn't finish it. I only watched the first half, but uh, Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds watched the first half and is Hell awesome. Yeah. There's, there's, there was a part when uh, – I don't want to give any. this won't give anything away, but he's talking to his friend in the game, uh, the uh, security guy, and he's like what is you know what is the point you know of all of this like why does it matter and his friend is like well it, here here and now this moment is is real like whether we're real or not or anyone anything is ever real like this moment between two friends discussing is real and and does it really matter after that and that was like his his switch And that was sort of like right after that, the plane landed. Yeah,
1: it's a brilliant movie. It's really, really well done. And the symbolism is fantastic. But, And I wonder about this because there have been a great many movies where the the message is there, like it's in there. And sometimes it's intentional and you can see what it is. And then sometimes it's almost like it's not. It's almost like the symbolism is within the movie without them even noticing it, right? And so I, I wonder about that when it comes to our collective awareness because we are always expressing the changes within our awareness. And so we have like, you, you can tell how movies have evolved over the last hundred years, right? Like the storytelling has changed, the way those stories are presented has changed, the way characters develop has changed. And it's also changed according to how our understanding of ourselves has changed our understanding of, of our own mind and how we deal with one another as human beings has contributed to how stories are written now compared to how they were 30 years ago, right? And so I, I just find it really interesting when we look at some of the messages that are in these stories, how profound they are, right? Even the Lego movie, was profound like it was fantastic the, the whole thing about being a master builder that's amazing that's exactly it. just allowing yourself to be clearing your mind right like it, it it really just comes down to the fact that we or I or you or awareness whatever you want to call it is talking about what it's going through the messages are all around us all the time like I find it so interesting that despite how egocentric and controlling the government is as a whole, that if you were to listen to, to Joe Biden's speech when he was made president, there's one word in that that you hear over and over and over again. Despite the fact that his, he has his own political agenda, despite the fact that he does everything to contradict this word, it is the one word that kept echoing over and over and over again in awareness that day, and it was unity. I find that amazing. What was before there was was, uh, Barack Obama? Yes, we can. Right. Like these are echoes of of awareness. These are echoes of our our sentiment. And unfortunately they're used and twisted by marketers and, and and public relations and propaganda and everything else. Sure. But they can only use what we're showing them is there. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. It is really cool to see. And with that guy, you know, uh, free guy is, It's so and and it is and because it is kind of like at a high level, the storyline, I could totally see that, you know, being made into a movie, you know, the video game versus, you know, people being in the video game, out of the video game, virtual reality, like we're kind of coming to that. But then within that, it was like it was so clear to me watching it and I could easily see why you said I should watch it. But it's almost like I do I was sort of wondering like, is this, is someone directing this or writing this script? Do they actually think that? Cause it, it could easily not be, it could easily just be, you know, kind of that surface level idea, but it's so.
1: And that's the thing, right? Like where
0: we're at. Yeah. Think about what we're saying there,
1: right? What we're saying is that it just happens to be there. Like it just happens to be there and they think they're sending an entirely different message. How often is that happening? <laughs> right? Like how often is, is there multiple messages happening despite somebody's intention? Mm-hmm. That amazes me. To me, that that's how we're talking about the universe speaking, right? Is when you start, you look at something that you've looked at a thousand times and you see it in a different way. You're just like, Oh, that's awesome. That's new. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, and it's all there. It's all there. That, that's what always gets me is that this moment that I'm in right now, every experience of this moment, every perception of it from being totally depressed to being totally free exists right here. And I can just choose one. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. And it's almost like, does it even matter if if they're doing it purposefully or not? And, and it's like, can they even take credit if they were doing it purposefully? Would they? Yeah.
1: Would they take credit if they were doing it pers- purposefully, right? And there's so many movies, like, like, like um, Groundhog Day. Have you watched Groundhog Day?
0: I have a lot, maybe like 10 years ago.
1: That movie, yeah. man. Man, if you want to talk about the lessons you would learn being eternal, that movie's awesome. It'll just rip I you apart, it. man. It's yeah. so good. It's so good because you don't know how many days Bill Murray repeats and and the author actually said it was probably like hundreds of years like it just it just kept going for him and and through all of that he's learning more and more about himself but you'll see his character go through the process of resenting it then trying to use it then trying to benefit from it to get a sense of happiness and then getting frustrated that he couldn't and then finally surrendering and it's the whole journey is just beautiful and that's the journey of, of our eternal awareness, right? Like that's the journey that we go through individually. And, and the only question is, you know, how quickly can we go through that collectively? How quickly can we get through that process of understanding that we are hurting ourselves by trying to benefit ourselves?
0: So Do you think like within our awareness, do you think we've gone through it multiple times? Or do you think there's, you know, it's like sort of cycles within a larger cycle or just what do you mean by we, do you mean humans, yeah. right? Because yeah. this is,
1: this is the journey all the time in every variation on different levels and different scales is, is this is the journey is towards ourselves and away from ourselves. And, and, and there are so many intricacies in that journey and, and considering how many species there are doing different parts of that journey on different levels and different, like, it's so interconnected but it's always this always this from towards ourselves and away from ourselves it's always that moving back and forth and oscillating within oscillations like and that's why it gets to the point where it's just a giant pool right like the the ocean's in a drop right like it's it's so hard to conceptualize or talk about because you're talking about infinite causality like it's not even cause and effect anymore because right? everything is causing everything, everything else to be a cause. And then that's causing the original cause. And there's no, da- there's no goddamn time. And so what are we talking about, right? So like, it's just, it's so massive that all you can do is sit in awe once you truly recognize it. And, and that's enough. Once you recognize it, you're just like, damn, why would I want to believe in something that would minimize this experience?
0: It's a great question. <laughs> I don't know if I have a good answer for you, <laughs> I guess, unless, you know, you're just tied to that perception, but yeah,
1: that's it. Right. It's just, it's, it's familiar and it's comfortable and, and it's the devil I know. And, uh, I think that that's the one thing that really changed for me in my life was that I just didn't want it anymore. It really just came down to the decision. And I think, I think this is true for everybody, regardless of your situation, if you are done with the, with the consequence that you're experiencing emotionally, if you're done with the sense of lack that you're going through, if you're done with the frustration and, and the expectation that you habitually go through, that's that's the biggest part is deciding I am done. This is enough. I've experienced enough of this that I'm going to question it no matter how uncomfortable it is because the alternative is just more of this. and. and that's that's the decision once you make that decision doesn't mean it's going to be easy but it does mean that you, the rate of change is going to pick up and you are going to start noticing how quickly you are adapting to things because you're allowing yourself to be uncomfortable sorry i just have to plug my computer in real quick it's uh yeah i didn't have my charger well, No problem. And as Andrew plugs in his computer, I just figured I would mention because I always fail to do so that uh, Andrew and I actually do have a Patreon page where we post some of the conversations that we have during our TikTok live streams. And we post some of the conversations that we have before and after our podcast. There's a lot of extra content that goes onto our Patreon page. Uh, It's very much worth contributing $5 or more per month, just to get access to that content. But in addition to that, I'm also doing a giveaway in November and December to any of our Patreon supporters. I will be giving away a free 50-minute one-on-one coaching session uh, via Zoom for November. That'll be a draw on November 20th. And currently, since there are only three Patreon supporters, it's one of those three people who's gonna win that that, uh, hour-long coaching session. So if you're interested, now is definitely the time to go and join Patreon. Likewise, in December, I will be giving away three hour long coaching sessions via Zoom. So just being a Patreon supporter there will get you into the draw for that as well. Um, and that was just a quick announcement. And Andrew seems to be back.
0: So we'll continue on. I'm back. Yeah, there is a high likelihood of winning that right now. So get in there because the, the odds are pretty high. But um, yeah, I, fr- I totally forgot what the last thing you were talking about was that's okay
1: that that's actually that's a good point to to bring up because it doesn't matter right like that, <laughs> that that's the thing is that whatever thought process we're having at any given point is the thought process that we're supposed to be having at that given point or at least it's the thought process that we're having right and, and then you know as long as as long as we're having that thought process for the right reasons which means for ourselves um we can just pick up wherever and continue on because the conversation is really just about us growing as people. It's not even about what we were talking about, right? It's about the continuing growth as people. And I always enjoy that about conversations like this, because I have a very few amount of friends who I know I cannot talk to for years, see them sit down and carry on as if we were just talking an hour before. And it's just because the conversation is not about the details. Right, The conversation's about being in the conversation. right? We just pick it up from there. And, and that's the best kind of relationship to have is one where there's no need. There's no need to try and impress anybody. There's no need to try and like, oh, I'm sorry. No, just be where you are. <laughs> and then let's continue on.
0: Yeah, I've, I have a few friends that I can, like, they come to mind immediately where it's just like, it literally doesn't matter what we're talking about, what we're doing. We're just... Enjoying the time together and the experience, and and yeah, the idea of there not being, you know, a path or, or anything that really matters is like it's it's getting away from the idea that there is a rigid path that you have to be on, and there is a right thing to do, and there is a thing you should be doing, and there is a path you should be following, and that has been a massive part of my life, and it's like all of a sudden. I'm here in this awareness here now. And it's like, it is like that field you were talking about in power versus force. And it's not like this direction forward. It's just kind of like I'm sitting in this massive field and there's an infinite number of directions and there's nowhere that I feel like I should be going or need to be going, but I'm here now. And I know that, and I'm enjoying being here now. And it's like there, it's almost it's almost because there is less of a focus on the future, I guess, that it, it, it creates this sort of infinite directional potential, infinite potential here and now, as opposed to, you know, picking a point and being like trying to go there Instead, said, it's like, I can go anywhere and I'll be okay here and now. And it's, it's awesome. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. Cause it, it reminds me um, when I was early on waking up to all this the visual that came to me was that it was like the difference between sitting in a dark room with a floodlight, pointing the floodlight, trying to see something or turning the floodlight off and allowing my eyes to adjust so I could see everything. And that's exactly what it's like. It's all of a sudden your very specific awareness becomes an overall general awareness. And that is where your awareness actually increases. It's funny, I always describe it in, in terms of like having a battery and then connecting a bunch of light bulbs to that battery, right? The more light bulbs you connect, the dimmer each light bulb gets, right? But if you disconnect all of the light bulbs, that one remaining light bulb just shines bright as hell, right, and that's, that's, that's awareness, that, that's exactly it. We carry all of this stuff, thinking it's gonna make it make our life better. And it actually decreases our ability to have influence over what's happening.
0: Yeah, it allows for all of that energy to be here and now and all of a sudden things become clearer and you're not weighed down by all of these other, you know, light bulbs that are using the energy or baggage or, you know, ideas of yourself or perceptions of the world because they directly or things you think you want or you think you need because they all take away directly from that energy that could be here and now. And uh, it seems like for a lot of people, it's just that they don't have, you know, the energy here and now, because it's getting used by so many different, you know, thoughts and, and perceptions and ideas and judgments of how things are when you don't have to take all of them so seriously, but if you're tied to them, they'll, they'll be taking that energy forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, how sad is it that the outcome you want to manifest is being held back by the energy required to criticize your manifestation
0: Once say that again
1: right like <laughs> manifestation requires energy but as soon as you're criticizing yourself for not getting that manifestation as soon as you're judging your progress you've just dropped all your energy so how often are you avoiding getting the op- the outcome you want by judging how quickly you're getting there. Yeah,
0: yeah, certainly. And I feel like a a counter-argument that, you know, manifestation gurus will say is that, you know, there is no timeline, like it'll happen when it's best, right? Or like when it's supposed to happen or whatever, but at the same time, like what if it, what if it doesn't happen or something, right?
1: That's it. And, And more importantly, what if it not happening is the absolute best thing for me? Yeah. What if that is what's going to trigger me to learn something about myself, to learn where I've been holding myself back or holding myself in, in too serious of a light in terms of my ego? What if that experience of not getting that thing is what helps me get to the state of mind where I can appreciate what I do get? <laughs> Which one do I want?
0: Good question. Yeah, I think the answer is fairly obvious, but it, it really is. And it, it comes down to what we were talking about before about, you know, no amount of things that you manifest that you think you want are going to change you. And it's about you here and now, and it's always is, and it always will be, and it always has been. And there isn't much, much else to it, quite no. frankly.
1: No, but it's, it's easy to get caught up in the really easy to market concepts. Right. And like there was a, um, oh God, I can't remember who it was. It was, it was a, a manifestation guru and, and he was uh, doing a video and he's like, you know, I've worked with all of the top minds. I've worked with, you know, Eckhart Tolle and Oprah and I've worked with, with you know, Joe Dispenza and I've worked with Sad Guru. And we all agree the number one thing you need to do is practice gratitude. It's like, wow, that sounds really nice. What if I'm grateful for things that reinforce my ego? What if I'm grateful for things that actually are contributing to my suffering? What if I don't have the clarity to understand what to be grateful for? So it's not the silver bullet that it's made out to be. And and that that conversation right there means half as many book sales, (laughs) right? and and what kind of proof of manifestation is that right like i'm gonna i want to prove manifestation works by enriching myself and making half the people who listen to me suffer because i didn't give them the full picture
0: (laughs) but doesn't sell books so yeah Mm. it's gonna be a really
1: good workshop you know yeah i'm I'm I'm, very excited for it (laughs) yeah me too me too um yeah, this this is um, this workshop is very much uh, a workshop that I have avoided doing for the last ten years. Even even when I was life coaching, I didn't, I don't generally talk about manifestation because of so many of the pitfalls that go go with it, right? Because there is so much nuance to this conversation, and so the idea that we're going to get four weeks to talk about the six hours to just pound on it and talk to, to the people who participate. Cause of course there's, there's the, 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 live chat that happens and we accept questions as they go on. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting this out and, and seeing exactly what this has become for me now, because that's, that's really what I'm witnessing as well, because I don't voice this very often. I'm just letting it, you know, putting the quarter in and seeing what happens. Right. And I'm realizing, oh, wow, actually my perceptions of this, my, my, my view of this has actually changed a lot, a lot. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out in our conversation.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, just, you know, realizing that I've been manifesting my whole life, whether I was aware of it or not. And I, you know, have, you know, gotten things I wanted and I've gotten things that, i needed that i never even could have conceptualized having ever and it was it was mostly from just being here now whether i knew it or not and and i got into the last few months like writing down manifestations of things that i want and then i pretty much stopped after our first conversation So i was like yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it doesn't make much sense to be, you know, trying to do those things. And it's just taken like 30 minutes out of my day that I could be spending doing, you know, walking around or Enjoy. doing something. Yeah, exactly. So I I'm excited too, because I've, you know, recent, just recently kind of come out of that side of it. And, and before then wasn't even really aware of, you know, the whole realm of manifesting. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited for it.
1: That's a great topic. There's so much involved with it, right? And like, it's, it can get really deep and, and it can go in so many different directions and, and it, it can it can get really conceptual. I mean, you can get into the metaphysics of the whole conversation or you can get just right into the application of it, right? How do, how do I change what's happening today And so that's why I'm glad that we're going to be covering this over four weeks, because it's just going to give us the ability to to really focus on on individual topics, as we did with the social anxiety workshop that we just finished. Um, Another quick announcement is that that social anxiety workshop will also be available online um, in various different websites as a digital download. And you'll find the link to it uh, on our website in, in the near future, probably by the end of the week. So if anybody's interested in that, that's another six hours on. The topic of social anxiety, on identity, on self-judgment, on, on why we judge ourselves and some of the assumptions and expectations that go with that. It really is a deep dive into anxiety as a whole and, and the experience of being, anxiety, being anxious around people. And so if that's something that you're struggling with, I definitely recommend you pick it up as a digital download because we probably won't be doing another workshop on it for quite some time, though we are always willing to talk about it on a one-on-one level or on social media if you'd like to contact us there.
0: Yeah, that workshop was a lot of fun. I'm excited for that to be packaged up. I think there was, yeah, I think we pretty much expressed everything and it was just six hours straight of talking about social anxiety and our experiences and everything that we found to be helpful and you know answering people's live questions there was a decent amount of questions and we were able to talk through it so i think there is certainly benefit of being a part of the discussion um but yeah it was it was an awesome workshop for sure and i'm looking forward to our next one coming up soon
1: that's gonna be so good. I, I really enjoy running these workshops. Like um, we have a good flow. And that, that's, that's one thing, um, even my wife has, has mentioned watching our podcast is that uh, we go back and forth really easily. And we, we tend to, st- to stay consistent in what we're trying to talk about, even though we do deviate from time to time, it's always within the realm of what's relevant to the conversation. And so it's definitely worth participating in. Another thing I wanted to mention about the Patreon page that I mentioned earlier is actually um, every third, is it third Wednesday? Every third Wednesday of the month, Uh, We actually have a supporter-only live stream where you can jump into a Zoom conference with us and be on screen and actually talk to us live for an hour and a half. And that's every third Wednesday of the month from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And again, all you have to do is be a Patreon supporter to participate. It doesn't matter what level. Um, So if you do want to chat with us or if you do want to jump in on that conversation, that is definitely an easy way to do so because we don't generally uh, invite participants onto our live streams when we're talking on TikTok or Instagram so that's that's definitely the best way to jump into the group chat.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I've enjoyed those as well. It's always it's always a good conversation. So I'm excited for more and more people to, you know, join us as well in the discussions and just I really like the Q&A part of it. I think that's a lot of fun because we're able to directly help, you know, and and talk about people's you know, thoughts and things they're specifically going through, because as much as I think overarching, you know, discussions of topics helps, it's, it's definitely more helpful if you can, you know, get questions in about your specific experience, because, and and it just adds to the conversation that much more, instead of having, you know, two perspectives, it's all of a sudden, you know, 5, 10, 15,
1: 20. Yeah, and we can answer it in real time, right? Mean, it's so it's so very different than somebody commenting on a, on a TikTok video, and then, we make a a response video, but they don't get to reply in real time. Right. And so if we, if we misinterpreted the question, we, there's, you know, there's no backseat. We can't just say like, my bad, (laughs) let me try that again. Right. (laughs) And so it's already out there. So at least in these live chats, you can actually express what it is you're, you're, you're wrestling with and and we'll deal with it right then and there. And, And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Episode seven, eh, this is, this is becoming a lot of fun. I I cannot believe how easy it is to do this. Um, there's just so much to talk about, but we're seven episodes in. The last one was two hours long, so I'm glad we're, we're cutting this down to a reasonable time limit, though admittedly, we did talk for a half hour before we started recording um, this podcast, and and that that clip will also be available on our Patreon page. So there's all kinds of reasons to join us on Patreon at the end of the day. And there's also some options for some other uh, bonuses and some swag and some epic uh, merchandise and accessories if you're interested. But at the very least, you can also get a bit of a, uh, a voting say on what it is we're going to talk about in these podcast episodes, as well, you get the you get the uh, ability to suggest some topics and to ask some que- some questions, and of course, we're actually going to do uh, the occasional Q and A podcast episode where it's just questions from the audience, and so that gives you a chance to get your your question prioritized in that in those episodes as well. So definitely check it out, and um, yeah, I, I did want to ask you about something because somebody was talking. Uh, or somebody had left this comment on one of our videos and they were asking if we could talk a little bit about insecurity and self-judgment. And I know we've kind of revolved around that through this episode, but I, I think what we're looking for when we're talking about these things are really actionable things that we can use in our day-to-day life. Like when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling uh, like somebody is judging us, what's a good way to diffuse, and to, to diffuse that feeling? And, and I'm curious what you would say to, to that question.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I think realizing that you don't have to take those thoughts so seriously, they aren't truth and, and becoming just aware of those thought processes and, and when those feelings come up, realizing that, you know, cause I think there's a, it's almost like two different conversations of when you're actively feeling anxious or, you know, judgmental of yourself versus, you know, when you're not, but you're trying to, you know, work on it. There's like two different things. And I think when it comes into it, people get caught up in, you know, I've been working on it so much, but I'm still feeling it. Like, I'm still feeling anxious. Like I shouldn't be feeling this. I've been put so much work into it. So they resist and try and suppress and try and get rid of it. And it's like, in the moment, in the moment of feeling those things, it's okay. Like, it's okay to feel them you don't have to get rid of them you're not going to be able to get rid of them and it's okay to be feeling them and the the sooner you realize there's nothing wrong with it the sooner and and that can be done outside of when you're feeling it leading up to any sort of situation or when it you know there is a situation before, (laughs) I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit before that situation, when you start feeling, you know, anxious about getting anxious, the potential of feeling anxious, realizing that that's okay too. It's always okay. And realizing that it's okay. It's not this bad thing. It's not this horrible thing that you have to, you know, avoid at all costs. All of a sudden you're not getting anxious about feeling anxious because you know, it's okay to feel anxious. So it cuts it at its root, and yeah, you'll still feel anxious. I still get anxious all the time, but I don't take it seriously. And I know that it's okay to feel it. And I know that it's just a feeling and it doesn't define me and it's okay to feel. So all of a sudden it comes up and it passes through me just like any other emotion.
1: Exactly, that's right. That's that's an awesome answer, That that's perfect. And, and, and it's, cool. it's a really good point because we do judge ourselves for continuing to feel these things. Like, you know, if I made the choice, why am I still going through this? And it's like well, the problem with, with choosing is that you have to keep doing it, right? It's never, I've made the choice. Like I'm here now. Right. And I, I've had so many conversations regarding awareness or, or spirituality or being awake because you'll often hear the, the term ego death, right? Like, Oh, I've experienced ego death. It's like, and now it's past, and your ego is back. Let's deal with that, right? <laughs> like that's, and I know it's back because you just said I'm experiencing ego death, all of which is an act of division, uh, right? So there, it just we set ourselves up for this this expectation of an endpoint, where all of a sudden it's just no longer there. And oddly enough, it's not until we let go of that expectation of an endpoint that we actually get closer to that endpoint. Right, and that's that's that. Everything is half-assed backwards. I say it all the time, right? But it really is. It's just the more we're trying to get somewhere, the farther we get from it. The more we're trying to be ourselves, the less we are. Right, and, and getting that 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 whole finger trap mentality. Right, the more you pull, the tighter it gets. That changes how you're going to interact with your own thoughts. You're going to start looking at your thoughts with a certain degree of suspicion and especially your first instinct on how to deal with that thought with a certain degree of suspicion, because you're going to just start practicing awareness of how many different strategies you've tried. So it's a, it's a lot like um, cracking a safe, right? You're, you're doing the different combinations, but you really got to listen. You really got to pay attention to each and every turn in order to see what combination you're trying, because if you lose track, then you got to start all over again and you got all kinds of, of, of consequences, right? So that's it. It's just, be suspicious of your thought and your response to that thought. And eventually you'll get to a state of mind where they have less sway over you because you're not giving them the credibility to have that authority over you. Your belief in them isn't there. Just, just like we were saying earlier, like you with the beliefs, you have to identify yourself as being within their authority. Well, with your thoughts, it's the same thing. You have to basically decide you're under your thoughts authority. You have to decide you are the victim of your thoughts in order to be the victim of your thoughts.
0: Certainly, yeah, and it comes back to, you know, belief, belief that it is truth and realizing that it's not and questioning it can be hugely beneficial, whether you're actively feeling it or, you know, working on it outside of, you know, the, the physical feelings of it. it's It's the questioning, the constant, questioning of everything, including yourself and your idea of yourself and your perception of yourself.
1: Especially,
0: especially
1: yourself, right? Like that, that's, that's really it. And because it's funny how we become scared. If I question myself too much, you know, I'm going to lose all sense of who I am. It's like, that, that's kind of funny because right? you're not your idea of who you are. You can't, you can't actually lose yourself. You can lose your idea of yourself, but all that really means is you've unlocked your potential.
0: Yeah. That infinite field of possibilities that you're all of a sudden you're sitting in instead of, you know, being sure of whatever and then being afraid of losing it and being afraid of being perceived differently. It's like, when there's nothing to perceive, you don't give a shit how you're perceived. <laughs>
1: Exactly. That's it. That, that's, that's it. It's like, I don't even, it doesn't even dawn on me that I should care what people think about me anymore, right? Because whatever they think, it's not based on me, right? And I, and I know that. And, and I know that because it's true for me as well, right? When I'm looking for something in others, that's what I see. When I'm no longer looking for something, when I no longer want to see the best in people, then I see people and I see who they actually are because my preference isn't in the way, neither is my fear, right? And and that's the only real way to deal with anybody is, is to let down the walls that you think protect you, but also blind you from seeing who they really are, right? Because I mean, how, how can you see them if you can't see you? It's like Jesus in the whole thing about, you know, remove the beam from your own eye before you talk about the speck in mine. right? That's a hell of a visual, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, it's the same wall, the wall that's protecting you and the wall that's, you know, creating this sense of security and the wall of division, (laughs) all the same wall. So funny.
1: So we're going to wrap up this episode because I think we've approached an hour and a half. I know we've been talking for like two hours, but, um, episode seven, this has been great. And then, uh, next week, of course, we will be recording episode eight and on Tuesday we'll be starting our manifestation workshop. So definitely don't miss that. Um, this has been a great episode. This conversation has been a lot of fun. It, it feels like, even though I talked to you yesterday, um, there's always so much time in between our conversations and there's always so many things that happen. I feel like I've lived another lifetime between the last podcast episode and this podcast episode. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this continues to evolve. Episode seven, we've, you know, we're on to eight next. That's, that's, that's awesome.
0: Awesome, yeah, it's been so much fun and I yeah, likewise.
1: Well, everyone, we will see you next week for episode eight. Thanks for joining us. All right. Bye, everyone.